Small business owners, this one's for you. Chase for Business and iHeart bring you a new podcast series called The Unshakables. This one-of-a-kind series will shine the spotlight on small business owners like you, who faced a do-or-die moment that ultimately made their business what it is today. Learn more at chase.com slash business slash podcast. Chase, make more of what's yours. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank, N.A. Member, FDIC. Copyright 2024, J.P. Morgan, Chase & Co. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is Accelerating Innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. Did you kill Marlene Johnson? I think you're one of the first people to have actually asked. From WBUR and ZSP Media, this is Beyond All Repair, a new podcast about an unsolved murder that will leave you questioning everything. Wow, it just gets more interesting. Beyond All Repair. Listen and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Pushkin. Hey, Lost Tales listeners, it's Dana. I wanted to let you know that you can hear the entire new season of Lost Tales ad-free, along with other great binge listens, by becoming a Pushkin Plus subscriber. Find Pushkin Plus on the Lost Tales show page in Apple Podcasts or at pushkin.fm slash plus. Nearly 25 years ago, Diners Club introduced the first executive credit card. Today, around the world, Diners Club is still the first card. In the 1970s, the accessory to a life of luxury, travel, and access was the Diners Club card. At least, if you believe its advertisements. You've got a hotline right to room service. You'll spend the money without getting nervous. It's easy to spot a member of the club. Last year, Diners Club members had over 10 million fine meals, took over 500,000 vacations, and savored many helpings of chop suey. That was the kind of life that Mickey Dora wanted and felt he deserved. A Diners Club member. If you want to be one, call 800-525-7000. Back in the late 50s, Mickey had applied for a Diners Club card. He studied a book called Credit Cardsmanship, about how to bilk credit card companies and reap the rewards. With the world awash in plastic, it was almost too easy to take out a bunch of cards, spend freely, and split for a new life far, far away. By the early 70s, Mickey had set his sights on New Zealand. That would be a good place to sit out World War III. Visiting New Zealand, he wrote to Linda Kai, quote, I found it, the perfect place for our future together. Finally, a peaceful country to live in, 
friendly people, and good surf. I love you, Mickey. The only problem was, he was in New Zealand with his other girlfriend, Marsha. And Linda, back at home in Los Angeles, had taken up with someone else. And not just anyone. Mickey's rival, who was an even more flamboyant con artist than Mickey was. I'm Dana Goodyear, and this is Lost Hills. Episode 8, a.k.a. Fugitive. Linda? Hi. No, it's not Linda. I just work here. <laughs> You're kidding me, because I recognize you. I'm Dana Goodyear. Come on in. You guys are late. Sorry. Linda Kai is in her 70s now. She's married, to a surfer, of course, and lives in a cute mobile home 10 minutes from the ocean in Ventura County. So oh, pretty. gosh. Yeah, yeah. I thought we could... paintings. It's uh, they're all mine. You made these? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah, I just finished this one. This is my friend's dog that we watch all the time. We, we babysit her when they go out on their boat, and uh, she's a wonderful dog. Oh, my God. She's an artist. Her place is full of her paintings, mostly surf breaks. But there are also photographs, including one of Linda in her 20s in a camper van somewhere in the world. Her dirty blonde hair is pulled into a thick braid, and there's a hard look in her eye. Back when Linda met Mickey Dora, she'd been 22, living on her own in a VW van at the beach. Mickey was 37. Just like Diane before her, when she was young and innocent and Mickey was a full-on adult, Linda was Mickey's little secret. He gave her a key to his house on Gretna Green in Brentwood, the lair filled with strange treasures and used airline tickets suggesting a jet-setting world traveler. But he didn't take her out with his friends. And often, Mickey spent the night elsewhere. And sometimes, Linda did too. There's another wrangler in this mix, Don Wilson, who set the thing alight. Now, if it wasn't for this other character, this is not all about Mickey, because Don jumps into the fray and, you know, things get nasty. In 2015, Linda published a book about her adventures. She called it The Surf Sting, Travels with Mickey Dora, Da Cat, and Don Wilson, Pirate Captain. Don Wilson was another Malibu surfer. Don and Mickey had been friends, and then they'd become enemies. I didn't know it at the time, but those two had a big fallout at Malibu at one time because Mickey hated Don because he would show up in pink Cadillacs and fill his car full of girls and go drive off. Linda happened to meet Don at a time when she and Mickey were temporarily split up. Don Wilson came along when Mickey um, kind of threw me out of the apartment. (laughs) I was at the beach, at State Beach, 
laying in the sand, just kind of like, nah, I'm not really, I'm, I'm a mess now, you know, I blew it. And um, I heard two guys sitting next to me, kind of a little bit further over, a couple towels over, you know. These two guys were talking about a friend of Linda's. So Linda piped up. And they both looked over at me. That was Don Wilson. And they uh, looked over at me and they said, uh, where the hell, the hell are you? You know, like, and I said, oh, I was Mickey's girlfriend, you know. And boy, Don's head's come up with the sand like this, you know, like, what? <laughs> and he says, hey, he says, I'm having a barbecue tonight. He says, come on up. And there it was. I went up to the barbecue and... <laughs> Don Wilson, a.k.a.? The pirate captain. And why was he called the pirate captain? Well, it should be obvious. <laughs> um, he was a thief. <laughs> For much of the decade that Linda was with Mickey, she was also, intermittently, with the pirate captain. She even married Don at one point for a year. Playing tug-of-war over Linda, the two men became sworn enemies. Don was complete opposite of Mickey. Uh, Mickey was dark-haired and dark-handsome, this heavy, heavy Hungarian darkness, beautiful, you know. Don was Scottish, fair-skinned, blue eyes, and white, white hair. Not gray, but really white. Now, Don was not the better surfer. But Don was the better talker. But in some respects, Linda's two boyfriends were incredibly alike. They were both con men. Don had even been to prison for his schemes. He was a famous rubber check writer. I heard a story where he invited everybody to a big party in a big fancy restaurant and then wrote a big, big check to the waiter. And then evidently I heard that the waiter ran out right away and put a down payment on a car. I was like, wow, you know. But then uh, nothing was paid for. It just bounced. Don came from a very wealthy family in Palisades. His dad owned most of Santa Monica and Montana Boulevard, where all the boutiques are. And I think Mickey hated this because I think Mickey's dad was very wealthy also, but Mickey had no chance to touch any of the money. In Linda, the pirate captain saw an opportunity to mess with the cat. So when you meet Don, the thing that gets his attention is that you say, oh, I'm Mickey's ex. Yes. Da-da-da-da! Here comes the bugles and horns. Uh, He goes, this is going to work. In 1972, Mickey was still stringing Linda along about going to New Zealand. He was spending a lot of time traveling with his other girlfriend, a non-surfer named Marsha. She was the heiress to a gold mine fortune. In her book, Linda writes that while she was waiting on Mickey, Don was arrested for writing bad checks. He jumped bail and fled to Mexico. From there, Don flew to Tahiti and told Linda to meet him. Linda had turned Don on to Mickey's book about credit card fraud. So with a bunch of new plastic, they went on a world tour. Don was a champion on this because you could tell Mickey flailed a bit, you know. He was just a bit nervous, you know. It wasn't really, like, good. But with Don, he was a champion, you know. It was just like, come on, you know, let's 
know, let's do this, let's do this, you know, let's get this going. Traveling with Don, Linda doctored credit cards, license plates, and government documents. But when Linda and Don got back to California, Linda fell in with Mickey again. She and Don parted ways, and she didn't hear from him. Until one day, she went to her parents' house in the valley, and there was a letter from him, from prison. When she visited Don, she says, he blamed Mickey for his arrest. This whole story, I got to tell you right now, was never about love. Now, I might have thought so, being young and naive and stupid, but this was never about love. This is never about like, oh, Mickey's going to overpower me with his love or Don's going to love me and romance me and, you know, take me away. This was about rivalry. And you were a pawn. I was the middle. I was the fox. You know, here's the two guys running out into the woods. Um, I didn't know it then. Uh, I was kind of caught up too close and enjoying some of it, you know, the travel and enjoying the attention. But um, I thought it was about love periodically, and I'd break down. With Don out of the way, in prison, the path was clear for Mickey and Linda. And Linda had some new skills in her repertoire. I was a valuable asset, you know, to have. So you'd been traveling around the world with Don Wilson, the pirate captain, doing these kinds of schemes with him. Yes. And Mickey knows you're trained up by Don. Yes. And now you know how to do this stuff. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Oh, yes. After years of talking about the decline of Malibu, of California, of the entire country, Mickey was finally going to leave. I really feel that Americans are, something has happened to them, but they've become barbaristic. Barbaristic, I'm not sure if that's the term, but I think we're having a nervous breakdown in this country. I don't want to spell it out for you, but it, it is uh, difficult to live in uh, this surrounding. A middle-class, mediocre uh, beach and wave. That's Mickey in an interview he gave for the 1970 film Pacific Vibrations. The golden days of Malibu were over, according to Mickey. He was going to see if he could recreate them somewhere else. No evolution, where is it all going? Was it coming to an end or is it just beginning? That was one, uh, one fellow who uh, built Malibu quite well at a certain time in history, and I doubt if very uh, few people are able to find these type of conditions again due to crowds and uh, uh, controls and much bureaucracy. But there are other areas which are magnificent and are treasures of this world. So long, Malibu. Mickey's exile was finally about to begin. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. People don't always realize just how much their negative thoughts and experiences stick with them and weigh them down. You may find your brain constantly running through a highlight reel of bad moments. That comment your friend made last week that hurt your feelings. That frustrating thing your mom does. Or that silly thing you said in a meeting. Maybe it's time to get it all off your chest. Whether it's a tiny annoyance or something much bigger. 
Talking about it can give you some relief and lead you to a potential solution. That's where therapy comes in. It's a safe space to share whatever's weighing you down and learn to process it so your internal highlight reel can focus on the good stuff. And BetterHelp offers affordable online therapy on a schedule that works for you. Connect with a licensed therapist by text, phone, or video call. Start the process in minutes and switch therapist anytime. Let it out with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash loss today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash lost. I've interviewed many successful people over the years, and one thing I find fascinating is that many of them don't consider themselves business savvy. Take the owners of Tightknit Brewing. They turn to Chase for Business for everything from banking and payment acceptance to credit cards and do all of it in one place with the Chase mobile app. And that's helped these brew-loving friends turn a passion into a business. Learn more at chaseforbusiness.com. Make more of what's yours. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank, N.A. member FDIC. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is Accelerating Innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. In October of 1974, a man named Richard Austin Roche Jr. applied for a new passport in Los Angeles. He submitted a photograph of himself wearing a sport coat and tie. Roche was a surfer friend of Mickey Dora's. He was in the business of building tennis courts. But the passport office flagged the application and didn't issue the document. That's because 18 months earlier, Richard Austin Roche Jr. had driven his car into a trash truck and died. And as the FBI discovered later, the person in the passport photo submitted with the application was Mickey Dora. When that passport application got flagged, the FBI set up a sting, dropping off a registered letter for Richard Austin Roche Jr. at the address provided. But no one was there to sign for it. So why did Mickey leave Malibu? Crowds, adventure. Was he also on the run? Probably, yeah, that could, yeah. About 18 months before he left Malibu, Mickey had been arrested for stealing ski equipment. In January 1973, Mickey went on a ski weekend with some surfer friends. They went to Mammoth, that same ski mountain he took Gidget to back in the 50s. Mickey bought $401.89 worth of equipment and services. He paid by check, made out to the Mammoth Mountain Ski Area. Mickey had adequate funds in his account to cover the check. But claiming that the check had been lost, Mickey put a stop on it and apparently kept the equipment. He was charged with felony fraud in rural Mono County, some 300 miles north of Malibu. 
he was found guilty and put on probation. While his case was being processed, Mickey had packed up the house on Gretna Green, stuffing all his belongings into a VW van. For years, Mickey had been decrying the desecration of Malibu, talking about finding someplace quiet and clean where he could lie low. He was shipping all his possessions to New Zealand, probation or no probation. Good luck to the Mono County Sheriff's Department finding him there. He was packing up a van to ship over there. What was he putting in the van? Everything. Clothes, all his antiques. Tiger skins. Tiger skins, yeah, the whole show. Everything was going in. Mickey had invited Linda to New Zealand, but he'd also invited Marsha, the non-surfing heiress. And on the day he was packing up, Marsha was there, helping him. Linda was there, too, strategizing. My mind was working overtime as to what to say to get him to not do it with Marsha. I had a couple of long talks with him by myself, and I said, you go to New Zealand with her. I said, you are not, you could be waiting on her hand and foot. She's got loads of money. She's going to be wanting to shop. You'll be wanting to surf. I said, down there, there'd be nobody around. I said, who's going to be your friend to go surfing with? I said, that's me. But he didn't take Linda. Mickey left L.A. with Marsha, and they didn't go to New Zealand. A few months later, Mickey told Linda to meet him in Switzerland. This was in January of 1975. He summonsed me in Zurich. Marsha was going to leave. She was going to, I think, Greece. That was the split up. Then we continued right on to New Zealand. On the way to New Zealand, they went to London, Athens, Cairo, Istanbul, Beirut, New Delhi, Goa, Sri Lanka, and Sydney. They looked for surf, antiques, and rugs. Along the way, Linda had a job to alter Mickey's Diners Club card. She already knew how. I was assigned to um, take a little razor blade and change some numbers. And we did. And um, make it good for another month. Because the way it worked back then, these credit cards went through a kachunker, as I call them. They're big machines. And they go over the top and they make a copy of the numbers. So uh, my job was it to glue them back on the numbers and letters and whatever we took off to change. In New Zealand, Mickey and Linda looked for a place to hide, somewhere clean and safe with empty waves. The plan was stop the paper trail and spend the rest of their lives in peace. Mickey picked a place at Opatama. It was on the Mahia coast. It was actually an older gentleman who lived next door, would you believe, and he was selling the house. And Mickey went with the pretense that he was going to buy it and started paying him, I guess, some rent. It was a a cute little place. But what they didn't realize was that the FBI was looking for them, hunting a fugitive who had tried to get a passport in a dead man's name. In March of 1975, a federal warrant was issued for John Doe, a.k.a. Richard Austin Roche Jr., a.k.a. Fugitive. Around the same time, a bench warrant was issued by a judge in Mono County, California, for Michael Chapin. He was a probationer 
convicted of stealing ski equipment, who had, quote, absconded, whereabouts unknown. Then, in June, agents showed a source the photograph from the passport application. The source immediately recognized the person in the picture as Mickey Chapin. The source told the agents Mickey was dangerous and unpredictable and would put sugar in your gas tank. He said Mickey carried a large knife and, quote, used to have a following of wild kids on Surfrider Beach. He had a large ego and was idolized by these kids for the capers he pulled off, unquote. The source asked the agents to protect his identity. He was scared of what Mickey and his friends would do if they found out he'd talked. For the FBI, the picture was coming together. Richard Austin Roche was Mickey Chapin, and Mickey Chapin was Mickey Dora. The FBI requested a check for weapons registered to Michael S. Chapin and Miklos Dora, but they had no idea where this person was. We got involved with um, one of the local Maori guys. He said, let's go down to the beach. And we went down on the beach and there were wild goats. So we shot one of those, (laughs) brought that up and hung it in the garage for about a week, you know, letting it meet tender. I don't know what it was doing, but we ended up eating stuff like that. Our best thing was roadkill. We drove out the road, dirt road, and then we come back. This is our surf checking. Come back the other way and there's a rabbit hit. Pick the rabbit up and skin them and throw them in the pot. And we were eating bait fish. Um, we, we were skimping, you know, we were really careful. Just mackerel and stuff people would, you know, throw away off of the side of the boat. And um, what's the other guy? The squid. That's it. Calamari. We'd cut him up and eat him. Then the FBI put another piece in place. Mickey Dora had been on a worldwide spending spree. September 4th, 1975. FBI teletype. Two. Director, Washington Field, from Los Angeles. Quote, As of August 29, 1975, Dora, through the fraudulent counterfeit use of a diner's club card, was in debt to the diner's club in the amount of $19,785.91. That's about $110,000 today. One more thing. Quote, Mickey was accompanied by a white female described as redacted, age about redacted. Her name was not known. Their mystery man was traveling with an even more mysterious woman. Back in New Zealand, Mickey and Linda were making it work. The stove was actually um, a wood-fired stove. You had to keep that thing going, and for the heat of the house, too. And I was good at it. You know, I could do it. I wasn't a good cook like Marsha, but, you know, I could, you know, make soup and stuff like that. But uh, (laughs) that was good. Life was simple and pretty sweet. And as far as they knew, they had successfully dropped out. We'd go in to, like, the local gym and play badminton and trying to play tennis, which was one of Mickey's favorites. Walking down to the little beach down there and enjoying surf. But one day, the person they least expected to see showed up. Not law enforcement. Someone who posed 
a much greater threat. Well, we get a knock on the door. I see this car drive up, and I'm like, who the hell's that, you know? I see this blonde come out, and it's Don. I said, Mickey, Don's here. He goes, what? He had a rifle, of course, because we were hunting, you know, and he had it behind the door. He picks it up, and he says, get rid of him. He said, get him out of here. So he comes to the door, and I open it, and I go, Don, what the hell, you know? And he goes, um, oh, come on. He says, you got to get out of here, you know? He says, uh, I'll just take a spin with me. Let's talk, you know? So I didn't have any of my stuff. He says, come on. He says, grab your purse, you know? So I grab my purse, go out. He says, um, do you like living here? And I said, eh, you know, yeah. He says, come on, let's go. I got plans. So we get, we, I laughed. I had my purse, that's it. You didn't feel bad you were leaving Mickey? Um, well, <laughs> there was the adventure thing again, you know. I don't know if it was me pulling it off or, um, she, I, I guess I got tired of New Zealand, you know, it kind of wore. Um, I just took off, you know, and then we get to, I think it was uh, Wellington, but I had, my passport wasn't in my purse. Mickey, of course, immediately figured out she's going to take off. He took my passport. Mickey knew Linda couldn't get far without a passport. And he knew the first place she'd have to go. In the meantime, Don was wanted by the uh, Interpol. And uh, Mickey had called someone in the upper departments of passport divisions and said, hey, this girl's coming. She's with a guy who's wanted by the FBI. Get them. So they did. They got Don, yeah. And they had to let me go. They arrested Don. Yeah. Yeah, he got he got clinked. The New Zealand authorities gave Linda a temporary passport and informed her that she was going to be deported unless she left immediately. My flight was Pango Pango, Los Angeles. And when I got to Pango Pango, I went to the tourist office and changed my ticket and went to New Caledonia. Where is that, and why did you go there? Because it's right above New Zealand, and I was going to go back and kick Mickey's ass. <laughs> Linda was furious, but she still wanted to warn Mickey of the danger he was in. So he, I talked to him, Mickey, and I said, I'm in New Caledonia. And I said, they're going to come after you next, because you know, I said, Don is going to tell them that you're there. You better join me in New Caledonia. And I'm not telling a lie. Now, this is the truth. This, this wasn't like to scare Mickey. He knew. So he was going to lose everything. His whole, all his, everything that he owned, get on a flight and get the hell out of there. Well, he stalled me out. I was there for 30 days. He didn't show up. Mickey was punishing her. He believed Linda had been writing to Don and led him to their hideout. I didn't tell Don where I was. You know, he found out through my parents. But he thought you tipped Don off to where his own whereabouts. Yeah. And then he was mad because you left with Don. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> How cute. Tangled web. <laughs> um. Ooh, what a web she weaves. <laughs> 
Linda waited for Mickey for a month, running up a hotel bill she could not afford. She had to call her parents back in California for help. But then, surprisingly, the New Zealand authorities permitted her to return. I went back to Mickey's. I saw him on the beach. And I, I nailed him. I said, hey, you know, you're in trouble. I said, we'll both get in trouble because they're going to come, you know. We had to go. But he was mad. You know, he was mad at me and I was mad at him. But as they'd done many times before, Mickey and Linda made up and put it behind them. Mickey put all his possessions in a storage facility and he and Linda left the country. When, eventually, authorities searched the unit, they found a stash of antiques, gold coins, and other valuables worth in excess of $100,000. A loaded rifle, a loaded pistol, a 12-gauge shotgun, 24 fake airline tickets, used, and 60 credit cards, quote, many of which were altered or defaced, all in the name of Dora. There were also, quote, documents indicating large-scale fraudulent purchasing of goods throughout the world, unquote. A third warrant was issued for Mickey's arrest. And now, Interpol was involved. You can find inspiring stories almost anywhere. For instance, check out the co-founders of Girls Who Do Interiors. This Miami-based design company was started by three friends when they were still in school. And right from the start, they turned to Chase for Business for everything from banking and payment acceptance to credit cards. And they handled them all in one place with the Chase mobile app. It's so important to have that kind of help when you're just starting out. Learn more at chaseforbusiness.com. Make more of what's yours. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank. NA member FDIC. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is accelerating innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com/now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. After Mickey and Linda left New Zealand, the world tour started all over again. Linda's book includes a folio of pictures. Mickey in Hyde Park in a leather jacket. Mickey in a jockey cap at an ancient ruin in Greece. Mickey on a camel in the Valley of the Kings. Mickey in Kenya. Mickey in Medellin. I actually went around the world three times at one time. 
So there's Australia, New Zealand, uh, Bali, Thailand, Malaysia, India. Um, I'm probably missing a few. All of Europe, Tahiti, Costa Rica, Venezuela. This time, though, the FBI was tracking their movements with help from Interpol and the Diners Club. Mickey and Linda were evading law enforcement, but the circuitous path they took was dictated by something else entirely. This was this whole search of looking for waves um, that weren't ridden at places, you know, early in the early days, just the discovery and pioneering stage. And um, Mickey had all these crazy ideas of leaving here to go somewhere else where you could ride waves like he did in the past at Malibu, at some other place like Malibu. Linda was using everything she'd learned from Don Wilson, as well as her skills as an artist, to doctor credit cards so she and Mickey could keep on moving. But they were starting to feel hunted. Mickey's passport had expired. When he went to reinstate it, the clerk tried to detain him. He was wearing tennis shoes for exactly this reason. He ran out of the building and escaped to Linda, who was on the street with the motor running. Mickey and Linda were scared to use their own passports, and they were running low on cash. So they did what they knew how to do. They pulled more scams. Passport scams. Switching passports around with names and stuff, too. Insurance scams. Mickey was an expert at this and passed it down. He said, um, what you do is you get travel's insurance and um, take a bag, go into a bus depot and um, stand there like you're on the phone and then go over to security guard and say, my bag was just stolen. Get a police report, take it to the insurance company, claim your insurance money. Travelers check scams. American Express had what was called traveler's checks, where you get a packet of them. And then uh, Mickey said what you do is you go back and tell them that you lost them, or somebody stole them, you lost them. And then you get that amount again. So instead of 500, you now you have 1,000. Did you? I didn't do any of that. <laughs> <laughs> When you're doing stuff like that, um, everything you know is on the line. Linda never lost sight of why she was taking these enormous risks with Mickey. It was for the surf. After we had a good session somewhere, we'd say, ah, look at that, you know. How would we do that? You must have felt like you were getting away with the most amazing heist of all time. Yes, yes. Bonnie and Clyde, here we are, you know. Don Wilson had ruined Mickey's plan to duck all his creditors and law enforcement and surf empty waves in New Zealand for the rest of his life. Now, New Zealand was burned. Mickey had to find a different place to hide. He decided on the south of France. There was a small town there called Gittery. It reminded him of Malibu, as it had been in the 50s. In France, he'd be beyond the reach of U.S. authorities. The French did not tend to extradite. Plus, he could spend his winters skiing in the Alps. Mickey and Linda flew to Germany, 
where Mickey bought a new, fully loaded Mercedes camper van, dark green. According to Linda, he paid for it with a dividend from gold stocks he owned, or something like that. Linda wasn't sure. He kept his stock certificates and gold coins in a safety deposit box in Switzerland. While they were in Germany, Linda felt sick and threw up so many times she got dehydrated and had to go to the hospital. Mickey ran out on the bill. In the summer of 1976, Miklos Stora, Mickey's father, was going to be in France, meeting with Baron Philippe de Rothschild. Miklos had been working for the Rothschild since the mid-60s, distributing their wines in California. At one point, he was the sole U.S. importer for the company. The Rothschilds were among the wealthiest and most respected families in Europe. They were the first Jewish family to be invited into the peerage, and they had a huge chateau and vineyards outside of Bordeaux. Mickey and Linda showed up in the camper van. By this point, Mickey had a new scheme in mind. Do you remember anything about uh, Mickey's search for the episodic wave? That's all baloney. You know? <laughs> there, there is no episodic wave. It's all a ploy, you know, they just keep traveling. According to Mickey, the episodic wave was, quote, a Bermuda Triangle-like phenomenon supposedly accountable for the mysterious disappearance of many ships. It is a wave of enormous proportions not caused by any of the usual means, e.g. storms, earth tremors, or quakes. The episodic wave, sometimes known as the rogue wave or the ninth wave, is a real phenomenon. But Mickey's expedition probably wasn't. He wanted to go looking for it in New Guinea with Jacques Cousteau and maybe some money from Rolex. Years later, in letters to Linda, Mickey would use the episodic wave as code for a boondoggle, a reference to their outlaw adventures. In Bordeaux, Mickey and Linda were hanging around the campground, stealing food from the local market, when they finally got an invitation to the Rothschild's chateau for lunch. And the Baron, <laughs> we were sitting at the table, and he was so excited talking and to have me and Mickey there with him. And he was moving his arms around and talking and knocked over a bottle of wine, and it was probably a freaking $500 bottle of wine, you know. <laughs> Went on the floor and all these beautiful tiles, and all the maids and everybody came running in to clean it up, you know, before it stained the tiles. Mickey asked the Baron if he would fund an expedition to find the episodic wave. The Baron wasn't going to bite on that. You know, he was like, what? (laughs) No, no, it wasn't going to happen. The relentless pace of being on the run with Mickey was starting to wear Linda down. There was the, the amazing, amazing, beautiful places and hotels and opulence. And then down to the absolute rough garbage, just roughing it and flies coming after you. You're trying to run away on the beach and here comes this pack of flies and fishing off the beach. And here's a couple of, you know, catch a couple of cod, you know, well, they'll put that on the barbecue and eat that. Uh, There was times when it was rough um, and there was times when the weather was bad. Uh, There was times when I had malaria and almost died. There was a full, at least... Uh, five lifetimes packed into one. 
when you look back and think about your younger self who, you know, you said you were naive, but you're sounding less naive by the minute. You're getting, you're getting some worldly experience out there. How do you feel about it? Do you feel like angry that these guys got you to do this stuff that could have gotten you in real trouble in places you couldn't have gotten out of? P- people got mad at me a little bit because they said you were stupid, you know, but Actually, I don't think I was, you know. I think I was kind of in there, too, working it. And and the reason why is I figured out I'm a surfer. And, I mean, that says it all. I mean, when you see it, I mean, if you do it and see it and and you understand it, you can see how it kind of pushed me to kind of work it more. There's the surf. There's the adventure. So you were pulling these scams so that you could surf the world. And survive. Yeah. But Linda was restless. And more important, she didn't trust Mickey. I never felt that he did have my back. You were on your own. Yes even though you were with Mickey. Yes. He used to kind of say to me, too, a little bit, um, you know, if you get caught with Don pulling shit like this, he said, um, he's got a lot of money. You know, he'll bail himself out, but you won't. He says, you know, know, you're not going to get bailed out. So he used to kind of, like, put the teeth in with that, you know. Manipulating you a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, mental. A little bit of mental grr. And Mickey could be aggressive. One time, toward the end of their relationship, Mickey crossed a line with her. They were in France, staying in Mickey's camper van. He threw a pot of hot tea at me. And um, we were in the little van, the Mercedes. That's when I jumped out of the door and um, everything was getting frayed. Everything was like coming apart at the threads. There was too many obstacles, uh, barriers, people, uh, circumstances. I was seeing clutter. I wasn't focusing on what I really wanted to do anymore. I wanted to just surf and have peace. As a friend of mine used to say, I wanted to trim in peace. And um, this wasn't happening, you know. There was too many pulls and tugs. At some point, it all became too much. I'll tell you when I lost it. Okay. I was in France. Mickey was stuck there because he had no means to get anywhere with a passport. He burnt out everything. Uh, France was going to be the place. And I got tired of France. And I got tired of the whole thing. Well, two Irish guys came down from Ireland and kind of talked about surf and... We were talking and talking, and I said, when are you going up there? And he goes, next week. And I said, can I come? <laughs> he goes, you got money for gas? I said, yes. I left. Mickey was left. City, I told him. I said, I'm leaving. He was in a stairwell in Biarritz. It was a Chambre de Mort. He was in the stairwell, and he broke down cried. Now, I got to tell you, I don't know if it was real tears or if it was... The game's not over yet, tears. But mine were over. I was done. (laughs) 
Linda relocated to a desolate beach in County Sligo on Ireland's Atlantic coast. She moved into a broken-down VW bus and spent the winter surfing alone. Mickey also found himself alone in France. He'd been there before, left behind, abandoned. But Mickey was a survivor. He'd park his Mercedes camper van in the little town of Gittery, keep his head down, and wait for someone else to come along. Next time on Lost Hills, Mickey can't hide. The editor called, or publisher called us into his office. And he said, okay, you guys are going to France, and we know Mickey Dorr is hanging out in France. He's been dropped off the radar now for a few years, and no one's heard anything of him or from him, but we know he's there. And you guys are going there, and no matter what, you know, what did he say to you? He said, if Mickey even farts, I want a picture of it. (laughs) (laughs) That's how much they wanted coverage of Mickey, right? So we said, okay, we're on it. That's next in Episode 9. The Fall Guys. Lost Hills is written and reported by me, Dana Goodyear. It's created by me and Ben Adair and produced by Western Sound and Pushkin Industries. Subscribe to Pushkin Plus and you can binge the entire season right now, ad-free. Find Pushkin Plus on the Lost Hills show page in Apple Podcasts or at pushkin.fm slash plus. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Did you kill Marlene Johnson? I think you're one of the first people to have actually asked. From WBUR and ZSP Media, this is Beyond All Repair, a new podcast about an unsolved murder that will leave you questioning everything. Wow, it just gets more interesting. Beyond All Repair. Listen and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.